0: Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Doing good. Awesome. Well, welcome to LifePoint. So glad to have you here to worship with us today. If you are new and visiting, uh, we'd love to connect with you as always. If you wouldn't mind just texting the word welcome to the number on the screen, 406-219-0314. Follow the prompts. And if you're watching online, do the same. We'd love to uh, connect with you. Um, Quick couple announcements. Life groups uh, are... going to be starting on March 6th. Just a way of reminder, you can sign up on our website, lifepointmt.org. Go to the Connect section and then drop down. You'll see Life Groups and you can sign up. There's lots of groups that are open and available. Different nights of the week, just a way to get together with other people, build relationships, connect with people, and apply scripture. That's a big part of it. How do we apply what we hear on Sunday mornings to our lives, and that's a big part of what we discuss in life groups. So I wanna encourage you to do that and get involved. I know it's a big step, it's kind of a scary step, I suppose, right, to get to know people, but so, so vital uh, to the life of the church is is being connected to other people. Uh, The other thing is we have a welcome party coming up on Tuesday, March 1st, uh, Tuesday, March 1st, at six o'clock. What is a welcome party? Well, it's a dinner. Uh, And it's a time for you to come, have dinner with us, and really just get to know LifePoint. Really just a casual time to talk shop a little bit and talk philosophy, how do we do ministry, what we do, what we don't do, that sort of thing. And just a real casual time for you to come and learn more about LifePoint. So if you wanna be a part of that, you can go to our website, you can register. We just need to know how many folks uh, are attending for dinner. So uh, go to our website, lifepointmt.org, and scroll all the way to the bottom and you'll see the events there and you can sign up right there. So looking forward to that. Hey, Galatians 5, you guys are ready to jump into the Word of God this morning? Um, I'm going to forewarn you, as if you need to be forewarned before a message, right? Um, there's going to be a lot of Scripture today, so I'm just going to kind of warn you. We're going to be in so many different uh, areas, not just Galatians 5 today. But uh, glad to be back in talking about the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, and what that means, and really what the Spirit wants to produce in us. And we have talked about, really, three so far, these ideas of uh, love, divine love, agape love, God's kind of love, uh, the idea of joy, uh, this joy that ought to overflow from our uh, inner lives to the lives of other people, and, of course, this idea of peace. Peace. Uh, peace in our hearts and peace in our relationships. And so I want to start by just kind of asking you to consider uh, with me this morning as we kind of dive back into these qualities, these attitudes the Spirit wants to produce in your life and my life, and that is this, is like, how, how could these things impact your life? All right? like, what would your life be like today if you really possessed more love, um, what would that do to your relationships right? Uh, what would that agape sacrificial kind of love God's love how would that impact your relationships right? Um, what would uh, this idea of joy how, how could that change your perspective on life right life is just kind of always like up and down in the circumstance and the challenges of life and many people just we go through life with this uh, you know depression or whatever the case might be How, how could joy God's kind of joy, affect really your perspective in life, Uh, how could it change your mental state, Um, How how could all of these things just impact the relationships that you have with your spouse, with your loved ones, with your friends? I I think the Holy Spirit, we've said this really from, I think, the beginning of Galatians. It's really been Paul's point all along, is that you started in the Spirit, you end in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is really the key to successful living. And the Holy Spirit of God wants to produce in your life and in my life these wonderful attributes that are not in us. Right? They're not natural. They're, we're, we're not people that are just born with all these natural, lovely, godlike attributes. The Spirit of God uh, wants to produce them in your life, in mine. And so I, I'm going to make the assumption here this morning that you want that, right? Uh, I'm going to make the assumption that you're here today in church. I came to church today because I want to grow in Christ. I want to be more like him. I want these fruits of the Spirit to be in my life. I will make the assumption this morning that you want that. I think all of us want that, right? Deep down inside, God, lead me and build in me all of these kinds of things. But the truth and the reality is is that's no easy task, right? Uh, If we're honest with ourselves, we'd say this is not easy to daily walk in the Spirit rather than walking in the flesh. And you might You might be here this morning and you might just have an enormous amount of guilt because you look back on the week and you you might say, man, I really didn't walk in the Spirit. Like there were moments and there were times this week that I can mark and and point to that that I can say, man, I did not walk in the Spirit. And so you might be here this morning and, and you might feel a lot of guilt because of those things. But let me just, can I just put you at ease for a moment? Like everybody just take a breath. Right? We're in church. Breathe easy. There's no perfect people here. Can we just like, be honest about that? Right? Look around the room. Look here on stage. There are no perfect people in this room this morning. Right? None of us has this figured out. None of us has won this battle completely with sin. We're all going to struggle. We're all going to you know, face this, this tension. There, there's no one here who has this perfectly figured out. It's a daily, daily struggle in life. In fact, it's more than that. It's a moment-by-moment. Decision that every one of us has to make to say, will I let the Spirit of God lead me in this moment, in this conversation, in this struggle, in this trial, in whatever I face in life. That's really the tension that we all face in life. And so if you're here and you're like, man, I messed up this past week. I didn't walk you know, in the Spirit like I should have. Let me just tell you, you're in good company, right? You're in good company because we all can relate to that. But here's the thing, just because that's true doesn't mean we stay there, Right? Just because that's the tension and that's the reality that we struggle with the flesh and we struggle to walk in the Spirit doesn't mean that we just kind of give up and say, well, that's just our life and that's the reality, so we just kind of give up. No, we ought to strive, amen, for righteousness. We ought to strive to allow the Holy Spirit of God to mold us into the the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. That ought to be our goal. Holiness ought to be something that you and I pursue daily, daily, daily. And when we do that, when we walk in the Spirit, Paul says in, in chapter five and verse 16, we'll reminds you this not only, not only are we not going to give in to the desires of the flesh, but Paul says what's going to be produced in us are these wonderful attributes. Things like joy, things like love, things like peace. And I want you to understand something really at the beginning here, as we dive back into this, that these are these are God's attributes, right? All of these things that we're going to talk about t- today and, and, and next week are, are all things, they're qualities of God. And God desires, as a good father, he desires to instill his character traits and his qualities in your life and mind. Just like you, if you're a parent, right? You, you want your kids to have certain values, right? Certain things that they stand upon and they believe and they live life according to these values. God's no different. He wants you and I. Uh, to hold and, and establish these values in our hearts, in our, in our lives. And it happens, it happens when you choose and I choose to walk in the Spirit of God. Uh, not following a list of rules, right? Uh, not just saying, I'm going to be better, right? But walking in the Spirit. And that's, that's some, some good news, right? The more that we do that, the less we give into the flesh. That is some good news. Like, you ought to rejoice in that, that you have within you uh, the Spirit of God who says, I want you to succeed, And I'm going to give you everything you need in life to succeed for God. That is some wonderful, wonderful, wonderful news. And so we're going to dive back into this list of nine attributes, nine qualities here that the Spirit wants to collectively, remember, collectively produce in us. Not just like, hey, I want you to have joy today, but we'll work on patience tomorrow, right? It doesn't work that way. The Spirit of God wants to produce all of these wonderful things in our lives every single day. And again, we've looked at three so far. We're going to look at three more today. But the bottom line is the same. It's going to be the same this week. And it's also going to be the same next week. So if you're wondering, like, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about this (laughs) next week as well. Uh, And that is this is that fruit is meant to be shared. Amen. This fruit that, that God wants to produce in us, I so desperately want us to understand. It's not just for you. I mean, it's wonderful, right, that we experience and we have love and joy and peace in our hearts and our lives. Like, that's great, but these things are meant to overflow from your life and the lives of other people. They are meant to be shared with others. They are not just for us. And so they impact, right? They impact our relationships. And as you look around this room this morning, they're supposed to impact the relationships that you have here with fellow Christians, with fellow believers, right? But they're also meant to impact Relationships outside this place, right? That these qualities, listen to me, these qualities are things that the world should see in the church today, right? These things are are qualities that the the world should look at the church and see love and joy and peace and all the things that we're going to talk about this morning. And so, uh, I said this before, but I really think this is, like, this is like a gospel strategy, right? Like we talk so much about uh, or we worry so much about like how do I share Christ with people and what strategy do I use and uh, how do I win this argument and, and what evidence and what information and that's all fine and good, but I, I feel like it's from the wrong platform, right? Like this is the platform that we start from. But if, listen, people don't see love, if they don't see joy, if they don't see peace and all of these things in us, man, it doesn't matter how much Bible knowledge you know. If they don't see Christ and His Spirit dwelling and living within us. And so this really becomes the platform uh, for the gospel because the gospel transforms lives, right? And if your life isn't transformed, why would anybody listen? Now, I know that's a lot of introduction this morning, and so let's jump uh, into Galatians 5, chapter number 5, and verses 22 through 23. We're going to be here uh, next week as well. But the fruit of the Spirit, verse 20, 22, is love, is joy, is peace, is patience, uh, is kindness and goodness and faithfulness. And verse 23 gentleness and self control against such things there is no law. So patience, kindness, in goodness. These kind of seem to work in like triads, right? Like groups of three. And we're going to talk about these three this morning and kind of how they relate to one another. But uh, remember, these are fruits that God wants to produce in you collectively. Package deal. We've talked about three. We're going to talk about three more this morning. Uh, And this is something, uh, this next one is really something that everyone wants, but nobody really wants to do the work to get it, right? Uh, It's something that everyone wants other people to be, with us, right? <laughs> so husbands are like wives, like no elbow. I always say like I see elbows sometimes in church. I'm like, no, that's off limits. No elbows in church, right? You can't do that. Patience. Let's talk about patience this morning. The Spirit produces patience, desires to produce patience in your life. Let's talk about some Greek words here. This uh, word patience is defined in in the Greek as this, makrothumiae. Macro thumia. I'm probably butchering that pronunciation, uh, but it means this, it means anger that is far away. Uh, macro, large, micro, small, macro, large, right? Uh, thumia means anger, and so the idea here is that we keep our anger far away from us, right? Uh, we keep our anger at a distance uh, because we're so prone to allow it to kind of erupt and overflow in our lives, but it means to have a long fuse. One commentator said this, it, it means to have restraint That does not retaliate. Isn't that interesting? Restraint that does not retaliate. And and this uh, is a patience that, again, relates way more uh, to our interactions and our dealings with people rather than just this idea of patience in our hearts, in our lives, in our minds. That certainly is uh, a patience that is needed. But here, when we talk about this kind of patience, we're talking about relationships. We're talking about how this, uh, this uh, pr- pr- uh, spirit-produced attribute of patience is, is meant to be utilized in the context of relationships. But we need patience, don't we? Right? We need patience, certainly, for our circumstances in life, and that is so important and necessary. In fact, Scripture talks a lot about the need for patience. Let me give you just a few, and here's where we're going to really start to jump into lots of Scripture this morning. But in Romans chapter 12 and verse 12, Paul says, "...rejoice in hope." and be patient in tribulation, right? Even even when you're facing hardship and difficulties in life, we're to actually exercise patience. And he says, be constant in prayer. Notice what James says in chapter 5 and verse 7. He says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Man, when's God coming? I don't know. But we're to be patient, right? Until he does. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verses 19 through 20. Uh, Peter says, this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Uh, and he goes on to explain that. He says, what credit is it? Verse 20, when you sin and you're beaten for it, you endure. Like, you you deserved it, right? There's the consequence of that action. But if when you do good and you suffer for it, you endure, man, that's a gracious thing in the sight of God. And so there's a patience that you and I are to have constantly in life through the trials, through the struggles, through really everything that we face. But here, however, patience has more uh, to do with being patient with people, and everybody's like, darn, right? (laughs) I don't like that part, right? Because this this is no easy task, and it's not something that is naturally in any one of us, the idea of patience with one another. I'm not naturally a patient person, just not, right? And I don't think any of us is. But patience is something that the Spirit of God desires to produce in your life, that desires that you walk through life exuding this, this idea of patience, the same patience that characterizes the God that you serve. I love, we, we say this often here at LifePoint, is when you open the Scriptures, we should always be looking for the character of God. When we open the scriptures, we should always be looking because God wants to reveal himself to us. That's why he wrote a book for us, for us to know who he is. He desperately wants you to know him and to understand what is he like. And here we see these wonderful, wonderful attributes lived out uh, in God the Father. And so we're going to look at really all of these uh, attributes. We're going to look at God's character in in scripture that relates to that. And then we're going to look at scripture that really calls us to these very things. But God is characterized by being patient. You serve, I serve, a God who is patient. And we ought to be thankful for that, right? We ought to be thankful for uh, God who uh, is is patient, right? We ought to be thankful that God is a God who uh, doesn't say, do as I say, not as I do. Parents, have you ever said that before, right? Or do you have a parent that said that, right? Uh, Do as I say, not as I do. God doesn't do that, God says, "This is who I am. This is my character. Follow me." Okay, and so these uh, these character traits exemplify the Father perfectly, and I love that so so much. Let me show you a few examples. First Peter chapter three and verse twenty. Uh, says this, and this is kind of Peter going back to the days of Noah and talking about the patience of God. He says, because they, those people living during Noah's time, because they formerly did not obey God, listen to this, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water, God's patience waited in the days of Noah. Man, if you read uh, Genesis and you realize how corrupt and how evil uh, the world was, so much so that God was like, I I can't allow this to go on for 120 years. That's what Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3 says. It says, then the Lord said, my spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh, and his days shall be 120 years. So God was patient with a corrupt, evil, wicked world who hated him. For 120 years, this is the patience of God. Uh, Psalm chapter 86 and verse 15 says, "But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, and then notice this next word: slow to anger. There's that long fuse. You're patient, right? In abounding and steadfast love and faithfulness. Uh, and then in uh, Galatians, or excuse me, Romans uh, chapter 9, verses 22 through 23 just write that one down because we're not gonna, I already know, we're not gonna have time to get through all of this this morning. Uh, but I'll give you one more. First Peter uh, or 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16. We'll jump to this one. Peter says, but I have received mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. So make no mistake about it. God is patient. Right? Jesus himself wants to display patience the patience of God to us. And so uh, God is patient. He is slow to anger. This is the very character of God. I like what Matthew Henry said. He said this. He said, uh, this patience is a patience to defer anger. And then listen to this, a contentedness to bear injuries. That you would say, man, I am content in life to bear the injuries, the insults of other people. That's like next level patience, right? There's like patience, and then there's like next level patience. This is the patience of God. And so let me ask you this morning do you have that kind of patience? Does this kind of patience uh, fill your life, exude your character traits in life? Do you have the kind of patience, that kind of patience with your spouse? This is where like no, no elbow jabbing here. Do you have that kind of patience? You said, but you don't know. No, no, I didn't say that. Do you have that kind of patience? With your spouse? Do you have, we're going to get like marriage counseling this morning, <laughs> like an, I can already feel it, like, like uh, do you have that kind of patience with your kids, right? <laughs> Nobody look at Joseph Karl on the other side of the room. <laughs> it's just Joseph, he's the only one. Right, and that, why is that so important? I, I, I think it's so important when it comes to family because here's the thing we're so prone to be patient with people that we want to uphold a reputation with isn't that true like we look around and be like I-, I want them to think of me in a certain way and so it's easier sometimes to be patient with people that we don't know but it's much harder to be patient with people who know us and we live with every single day these are the areas that we are uh, to be patient in in life In in, again, marriage counseling here, you know, I I think couples we we would benefit so much if we would we would just be patient with one another. If we would look at our spouse and we would say, you know what, you are a broken sinner who is desperate desperately in need of the patience of God in your life, and I recognize that. And so therefore, I'm going I'm to show patience to you as well. Uh, here's a thought to keep in mind, uh, just for your marriage specifically. Would I want God to show me the same patience that I'm, I'm showing to my spouse right now? Wow, right? <laughs> Would I want God in this moment to show me the same kind of patience that I'm showing to my spouse right now in the midst of this whatever, conversation, conflict, whatever you want to talk about, right? How do we get this? We get it from walking in the Spirit. It doesn't come because you say, I'm going to be more patient and I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. We we walk. We allow the Spirit to control us. Not I'm going to try to be more patient or whatever the case might be, but I'm going to allow the Spirit of God in this moment to lead me. And I submit my heart and I submit my life to the leadership of the Holy Spirit right now to, to lead me and to build these things in my life. Patience. It's a fruit produced in us as we choose to walk in the Spirit. Here's number five. Number five is this, is Kindness the idea of kindness. When we talk about kindness, and really kindness and goodness are like, you know, pairs together. Um, they're, they're very, very similar. Kindness and goodness. But we would define uh, kindness as this. Really, kindness and goodness, they're similar in nature, but kindness has more to do with this. Your disposition of your heart, and goodness is really the expression of that disposition, Right? Kindness is this like, inner uh, quality of your heart and, and comes out as goodness uh, through, through an action. And so they're, they're very similar uh, in, in nature, but a little bit different. Kindness is, is uh, the Greek word Christodes, and it means goodness of heart. Like it's inside you, right? Uh, it's inside you. It's the goodness of heart. And just like all of these other attributes, we see that we serve a God who is kind always. You serve a patient, and you serve a kind God. God is always kind. I'll give you a few examples here. Again, Psalm 145 and verse 13. I love this. Uh, the psalmist says this, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. Now listen to this. The Lord is faithful in all his words, and he's kind in all his works. But everything he does in in, in life, everything he does is always kind. This is the character of God. Psalm 117 in verse two says, for his merciful kindness is great toward us and the truth of the Lord endures forever. Luke 635, a New Testament example. Jesus, the very words of Jesus. He says this, love your enemies, right? Remember this, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be the sons of the most high for he is kind and ungrateful to the evil. Who is kind uh, to the ungrateful and the evil? God is. That's his character. He's kind always, right? And if God is kind to the ungrateful and the evil, how much more should you and I be? As we look around the world, and we think, well, well they you know, are on a different political aisle than us, or they don't believe the same way that we believe, or they, you know, uh, they don't uh, subscribe to the same ideology that we subscribe, and so we say, well, uh, you know, we'll be kind to those that are kind to us, and we'll be kind to those that we think deserve kindness, but God's like, I'm kind to the ungrateful and the evil in the world. The church. not to be known by these things, right? We ought to be known by these things. Uh, and so, are, are, are you glad that God is kind to the ungrateful and the evil? I am. This is like, that's me. That's me. I, I'm, I'm the evil, and I'm the ungrateful. And God extended his love and mercy to me and his kindness to me when I was in that state and forgave me and gave me life. Titus 3, 4 says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, we ought to praise the Lord for, for what he has brought to us, Right? And so we have as our example the kindness of God. He shows kindness to us always, always. And this same kindness, again, is to be reflected in us. And we have all kinds of examples about uh, uh, kindness and how we, through, through our life, ought to exude these things. All the way back to Micah, chapter 6 and verse 8. Notice he says, He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness. Kindness and to walk humbly with your God. That's what God requires of you and I, to love kindness. When you love something, like you want it in your life, you want to pursue it, and kindness ought to be one of the things that we pursue. Proverbs 21, 21, I love this. In fact, we're probably going to do a a sermon series uh, next in the book of Proverbs, but uh, he says this, he says, whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. Right? You want life? You want righteousness? You want honor? Pursue kindness, right? Uh, This is one of the attributes the world should see in us. Uh, And again, could this possibly be a way that we evangelize the world? Through our kindness. Through the kindness that we show to people. And so, are you kind? Are you kind to your coworker who is unkind to you? Are are you kind to, you know, the waiter who was, uh, you know, not giving you very good service this past week? Uh, Are are you kind and patient to the person who cuts you off on on the way to work, right? This is the the, the ways that these things kind of come out in our life. Kindness is what we should be known for. Here's number six this morning, and that is goodness. Patience, kindness, and goodness. Chapter 5 and verse 22, "...but the fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy, is peace, is patience, is kindness, and goodness." And so if kindness is really this disposition of our heart, right, then goodness is really the action of that, that, that heart, that expression of saying, like, I, I want this kindness to be in my life, but I want to express it in some way. And so the goodness is what comes out of us. It's kindness in action. It really has the idea of this, generosity. One of the values that we have here at LifePoint is that we be a church and we be a people who is Generous that we look at our community and the needs in our community. We say, man, we want to be generous. We want to give back. We want to give life. We want to do something that is both kind and good, generosity. Goodness is uh, defined as this. It's agathosune, and it means constructive action, reaching out to others. It's constructive. It does something. It builds something. It edifies something. It is good. Again, we have God as our example here. God embodies goodness. We sing that song, God is good, right? Or the goodness of God, right? Do we really believe that? That God is good in all circumstances of life. Here's a few examples. I told you again, we'd have a lot of scripture. Psalm 3119, listen to this. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you. Think about that for just a moment. God's like, oh, hey, you know, I've got some storehouses in heaven. I've got some storehouses wherever he keeps them. I don't know, but it's stored up for you, the goodness of God, for those that that fear me, those that reverent me, those that uphold me in life and say, God, you are ultimately the person that I love and adore and I fear in life. And so I worship you. God says, I got some goodness for you. And it's stored up. See, don't we have this idea sometimes that God isn't good? That because he doesn't bless me the way I want him to bless me, that he isn't good. And God's just like, no, no, you don't understand the goodness that I've got stored up for you. This is available to you, the goodness of God. That's pretty awesome, right? Acts chapter 10 and verse 38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit with power. We talked about that Jesus walked in the Spirit throughout his, throughout his ministry in, in his time on this, uh, this earth. And it says this, he went about doing good, In healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him, he went about doing good. Underline that phrase, right? Uh, This is who Jesus is, and this is who God is, a God full of goodness. He is good, and he does good. In fact, the psalmist says this in chapter 119 in verse uh, 68. He says, you are good, and you do good, right? You are good, and you do good. Teach me your statutes. And so part of God's character is goodness, Part of his character, right? And then we have just this plethora of scripture, of course, admonishing us to, uh, to do good always. Let me just give you kind of a barrage of scripture to think about uh, for, you know, uh, your life and my life as we think about goodness. It's not just relegated to this one chapter in this one verse that we are to be a people full of good works. Back to Luke chapter six and verse 35, Jesus says, love your enemies and do good. Lend and expect nothing in return. Uh, Galatians chapter six and verse 10 says, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. We'll spend a, a little more time on that when we get to chapter number six here soon, but no one is excluded from goodness. No one is excluded from us doing good to them, not sinners, not people who live on the other political aisle from us do good to everyone, but especially to fellow Christians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 15 says, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. If this isn't enough, I'll give you two more. 1 Timothy chapter 6 uh, in verses 17 through 18 says, as for the rich in the present age, charge them not to be haughty, right? And you have to say it that way when you read that word. I'm not sure why. Uh, but don't be prideful, right? Don't be prideful. Uh, nor to set their hopes in, uns- in the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. And then notice this. Those people who are rich, guess what? We're rich. I don't care what you have in your bank account or don't. We are rich, right? This is there to do good and to be rich in good works and to be generous and ready to share. This is who we should be, right? Right? And one last verse in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 16, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. These are the attributes that are to be be built in us. You know, I I don't know about you, but over the the past week, uh, week and a half, two weeks or so, God has really been impressing upon my heart this idea of thankfulness for these things. That like that that you know, so often we, we just talk about thankfulness right during Thanksgiving, but thankfulness ought to be something uh, that that comes out of us all the time. You say, well, Why are we talking about thankfulness? I thought we we're talking about, you know, the you know, fruit of the spirit. Well they go hand in hand, do they not? But as we look at all of these things that God wants to produce in us, that God richly blesses us with love, joy, peace, patience, uh, goodness, and kindness, and all of these things that God just abundantly pours out upon our lives, that we would actually look at God and say, God, I'm so thankful for what you've given me. I'm so thankful for the things that you've blessed me with in life. So we so often look at the things we don't have, the things that we want, the things that we desire God to do for us that he's not doing, and God's like, look at all I've given you and continue to give you. And so ought to produce thankfulness in our hearts, patience, kindness, goodness, and these are the things that you and I as Christians should be known for. Fruits are meant to be shared. Would you stand with me as our worship team uh, comes back up as we get ready to close this morning? These are things, these are things, church, that are meant to be shared. We cannot hold them. We cannot say, hey, this is just for us, right? This group of people, all of these things are just for us. No, they're not. They are meant to be shared with others. And so we come here. We come here to be challenged. We come here to be refreshed and renewed in our spirits and in our minds, we come here to be challenged with scripture, that we would not just come and leave it here and walk out and, you know, leave all of these things here, that we would actually leave this place and say, I want the fruit of the Spirit to be evident in my life. I want people to see Jesus in me. I want people to know. Don't you want people to know Christ and the life that you possess in him? Don't you want that? Happens, church. When you and I choose to walk in the Spirit and all of these wonderful attributes begin to be produced in us, and so let me ask us to consider together this morning as we get ready to close, who in our life, think about a person, who in your life right now needs a little bit of patience from you? Who in your life right now needs a little kindness and needs a little goodness? you know it's likely the person that needs it the most is the person who is the most impatient with you unkind to you and not good to you isn't that true that that we would say man i want that person who who maybe just feels like you know i am their worst enemy to feel the love of jesus because this is jesus guys This is who he is. He loves the ungrateful and he loves the evil. He loves us right where we are at. And he extends grace and mercy and forgiveness to us. And he desires for us to do the same with other people. And so, who needs that in your life? Why not ask the Spirit to lead you in that relationship? And why not ask the Spirit to guide you in your words and in your conversation? You might be surprised what the Spirit could do in that relationship by producing patience, kindness, and goodness. Father God, we thank you for the simplicity of your word. God, we thank you for its convicting power. Many of us can look at all of these things and say, oh, man, I'm just not any of these things. But God, a desire for you to produce them in me. I know they're not in me, but God, as I walk with you, would you, would you fill me richly? with all of these wonderful attributes, not just for me, but then my relationships with with my spouse and with my kids and with those that are outside the faith, that they might see you and they might be compelled to believe in your son, Jesus. Thank you so much, God, for loving us. Thank you for the spirit that dwells with inside of us. Teach us, teach us to walk one step at a time in you, to be led of you and not, not of our own flesh. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you worship one last time with us?